each and every one of you. You too, James. I'm glad you're sitting on this side, James. You're balancing out everything in this building. I don't know what it is. I'm thinking it's the air that's coming down. I'm not sure. But that's my guess. So if you don't mind, I'm going to be facing mostly this way, but I'm going to be mainly talking to you. Okay? Anyway, the Heavenly Father, we come before you, and Father God, we thank you that uh, your word is true, that everything is, that's said in that word that we can uh, adhere to in our lives, that, that it'll change not only our lives, but people around us. And Father God, not only people around us, but you know, our community, our nation, you know, we're in dire need of, of your love expressed through us, Father God. And I thank you that as we walk and, and we greet other people, that, Father God, would, that we share that love that you have given us, that love that has changed our lives, Father God, that open up our hearts, Father God, and open up our eyes that we may see your goodness, Father God, and, and experience your goodness uh, in, this, in, this, in this life that we live in as, as well as in this community and our country, Father God, and expressing throughout the world, Father. And we just thank you, Father God, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world, Father God. And Father God, I just thank you that, Father God, no matter what's happening in our country or in the world, Father God, we know the end result that we are victorious, we are more than conquerors because of your great love for us. And I just thank you, Father God, that you have prepared our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I forgot my, my sermon. It was in, in the song. Anyway. But I just wanted to read these words. We were beggars, now we're royalty. We were prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Redeemed by his grace. And it goes back to what uh, somebody shared uh, couple, maybe probably about three weeks ago, um, that we don't have, we're not striving to be that. We're not striving to be that. We are, right? We're not striving to be victorious. We are victorious. We're not striving to be more than a conqueror. We are more than a conqueror. We are accepted. We are redeemed. It's something that it's already in us. But again, choices. What is the choices that we choose? Do we choose to confess his word? Or do we confess? Or do we choose to confess our circumstances? My circumstance does not define me. What I'm going through temporarily does not define where I'm be in the end will not define actually who I am. My experiences does not ex ex reflect who I am. But in my experiences, what I choose will ultimately affect 
who I am. Okay? Because I can experience pain. And within that pain, I can choose to accept it. Or I can choose to go to the word and say that by his stripes I am healed. I can choose that. I can choose when. I can choose when I'm delivered. I can choose if I'm delivered. Right? It's a choice. Are we delivered? Are we delivered? Yeah, we are, right? Do we experience deliverance every time? We can, right? Based upon our choices, right? In Isaiah 53, I know I didn't, I didn't say that one, but in Isaiah 53, it talks about Jesus. I'll just turn there. Uh, in in uh, Isaiah 53, it says that uh, surely he was born our, our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we deemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And it says in 5 that he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for, for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. So, this is all what Christ had accomplished at the cross. Are we experiencing it? That would be a choice, right? Because we can, we can, we can choose... Not to receive his peace, even though, is it ours already? Is his peace ours already? His peace is ours. That's not even my message. But everything that Christ had done, it's already ours. So, but just remember that. It's, it's nothing we, we I know the word says the striving. We're striving to perfection. And, and what that translates out, uh, uh, out of the Hebrew language is that we're striving to be complete. That perfection word means complete in the Hebrew language. And so we're striving to be complete. Complete in what? In what Christ had done for us. That's what we're striving for. And it's all about what we choose to believe. You know, my message is going to start in the book of Nehemiah. And the book of Nehemiah uh, in, in our current Bible, in, in the current Bible, Ezra, is it Ezra? Is that the book before that? That's what I want to pronounce, Ezra. Ezra and Nehemiah, those books were together at one time. Ezra and Nehemiah also were credited of writing First and Second Chronicles. This is something that I, I just learned. Very interesting. And this is a time when Nehemiah and Ezra, uh, well, mostly Nehemiah, he was trying to rebuild the temple of God. He was trying to build that temple, that external temple, 
that uh, Moses was responsible to build. And, and so Nehemiah, if you, if you study the New Testament, there was always a separation from God. And then somebody found the true word of God and started bringing the people back to God. It was always this roller coaster uh, in, in Israel's life. Uh, and so this is the time when Nehemiah was building, rebuilding the temple. And there was a lot of resistance, a lot of resistance. And there was a lot of times that, you know, they would badmouth him while he was up there being responsible. You know, and, but he kept on. It didn't matter what people were saying. He just kept on doing what he was doing. And I'm going to read something. Um, and this is fast forward right to the last verse, the last chapter of Nehemiah, chapter 13, verse 31. And, and what I want to focus is on is just the last part of the verse, but I'm going to read the whole thing. And for the wood offering at times appointed for the first fruit. And what he was talking about all of this was about giving God the best. Giving God the best. Always giving God the best. You know, in, in, in uh, uh, the book of Colossians, it says that whatsoever we do, we do as unto God, not unto man. Because when we do things unto God, we do our best. We strive to do our best. You know, and it's not, we're not going to do our best to get men's uh, uh, slap on the back or appreciation. No, we do, the, we do it because we're serving God. We do the best because we want to magnify, we want to glorify God. See, I'm doing the best I can because I serve God. And that's the purpose why we do our best. But like I said, it's about the last sentence in this verse. It says, remember me, oh my God, for good. Remember me, oh my God, for good. Isn't that a good thing? You know, that God would remember us for the good, you know. Because I don't want him to remember me for my past life. I don't want anybody in here remembering me of my past life. Even though it was, I was a perfect citizen, I wouldn't want people to remember that. But I would want God to remember me for the good. I want God to remember you guys for the good. You know, because we all, we all desire God's, you know, what, what, what did God say? That uh, good, good and well done, my faithful servant. We all wanting to hear that. This is the same thing that Nehemiah is talking about. Oh God, remember me for my good. What pleasure it is for our God to remember us for good. You know, too many times we think that, you know, we, uh, we walking and in, in times we think that, uh, you know, God is not with us. But Walking side by side with the Creator, knowing all that we do and say is always before Him. You see, whatever we do and whatever we say, no matter where we are, God is always there, right? I mean, if we turn to uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 4, 
get your cup. Hebrews 4. You know, when we're around people, we're always doing our best, right? We're always putting our best face forward, best appearance forward. But sometimes when we're not seen, what are we doing? How are we acting? Are we still doing our best? Are we still putting our best foot forward? Uh, and, and when I was working, uh, integrity was a big thing. Integrity is always a big thing. You know, everything, well, when I was in the military and then when I got out and my different jobs, integrity was, was an important part of any business. And, and in one training, uh, we were asked to define what integrity is. And when you figure that out, integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's looking. You know, uh, I, I watch these videos. It's, it's hilarious. Um, and it's all made up. But, you know, some beggar is sitting there on the side of the road and or somebody's walking down the street and, and somebody's sitting on the side and somebody drops some money. And, uh, you know, they, they're, they're testing people. And when they see the money, they look around, right? That's what we all do, right? When we're about to come into a situation or when we're in a situation where, you know, we have the angel and the devil on, on each shoulder. We're coming up to the situation. We see the money on the floor. And the first thing we do is we look left and right. Right? I mean, that's, that's what everybody does. <laughs> That's what we all do. Because why? Because now we're, we're, we're at a crossroad. We're at a crossroad. Are we going to be honest or are we going to be dishonest? Right? I know I've done it. And I've been dishonest. But I'm cleansed from all that unrighteousness because that's, what, that's who we are. And so that's what integrity is. When you come upon something and you know it's not yours, you got to do the right thing, right? You pick up the money, and actually what you're looking the left to the right as, actually you're trying to look like, where could that owner be? And then when you don't see the owner, you look behind you. Because now you're going to put it in your pocket. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But... That, <laughs> that would be the wrong thing. Okay, I'm saying all of this to say this one thing in, in uh, Hebrews 4.13. Okay, it says here in, in verse 13, it says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifested in God's sight. For all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him 
whom we have to deal with. See, so as we see the item on the ground, when we're looking left and right and behind us, the whole time God is with us. So and that's why integrity comes into play. Do we do the right thing? You know? And that's the, you know, that would be, it, it, it would be a negative take on the scripture. But just take this. Remember now, the, the, the word says that everything is visible to God. So this is what I take from it. My God is walking with me. No matter where, what, whatever my circumstances is, God is with me. And that's why he says, fear not. Fear not. Fear not because I am with you. Um, there was a verse the other day. Uh, it said that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So his word, right? Because Jesus is the word, right? It was made flesh. The word was made flesh and his name was Jesus. Okay? So the word is always with us. How do we get it with us? Right? How do we get it with us? By believing, by doing good, by doing the right thing. And, and knowing this, knowing that, you know, God is always with us. He never leaves nor forsakes us. You know, he never changes. The word of God will never change. Sometimes we change. Sometimes we choose to change. And then things happen and we wonder why. But does he leave us high and dry? No, he never leaves nor forsakes us. That's the forsaking part. Yeah, we messed up, but he won't never forsake us. Yeah, I made the wrong decision yesterday, but today he's leading me. He's leading me. If we allow him, if we choose to follow his word, and his word says that if we faithfully confess, he's faithfully to cleanse. If we faithful to confess, he's faithful to cleanse. Again, choice, right? We either choose to confess and get cleansed, or we choose separation and not get cleansed. That's our choice. I know I keep talking about choices. Every, every message that I have, it talks about choice. Because that's what is, our life is all about. Our life is based upon our choices. Our experiences is a result of what we chose. It's not going to change because that's the way it is. You know, with the knowledge of us, God, time is always faithful towards us. God will never be. He's not man. He's not man where, man, I told him to come with me and he didn't come with me. I don't want to be his friend no more. Right? That's, that's how we are. Or, or he didn't agree with. Nowadays, if you don't agree with somebody, it's about hate. We cannot agree on everything. That's life. That's life. We cannot agree on everything. But what bonds us together, what bonds the, 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 
the uh, body of Christ is that we may see things differently, but we agree on the road. We agree that God is love, and everybody that loveth is born of God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. See, we agree on that. We may agree on different things, because me and Pastor Alex don't agree on everything. But what we believe and what we agree on, that God is love. See, when we disagree, our love for each other and our love for God is greater than being right or being wrong. Who cares? Because we'll never agree. Austin here has a motorcycle. He's supposed to give it to me. But he's choosing not to. But I still love the guy. Nah, I'm just kidding. I always talk to him about his bicycle, his bike. Anyway, but, but we're not going to agree on everything. But we gotta, our love life got to be greater than our disagreement. Our love life got to be greater than our disagreement. You know, um, Melissa posted, I think was last week or something, that her love language was Jesus. Right? I mean, that was awesome. If, if, to know what I'm talking about is that there's seven love languages. We all, we all have a way that we feel somebody should express their love. We all have a way. Everybody's different. You know, some people is by, by uh, physical contact, holding hands. Some people is receiving gifts. There's all kind of love languages. But the most important love language is God. It's God's love language. And, and I'm sorry, I got to get back to the faithfulness. And he's so faithful to us. He is so faithful to us. Not because of what we do. He doesn't care what we do. He is faithful because he is God. He is love. And if we turn to uh, Hebrews 13.5. It says, let our conversations be without covetousness and be content with such things that you have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He never, I will never. Don't worry what you have, what you don't have. As long as you got God, you got everything. As long as you have God, you have everything. Okay. So, in the book of, like I, I said earlier, in the book of Nehemiah, you know, he had a vision. He had a vision, but that vision came with concern. This concern was fueled by compassion for the people, knowing that change was needed. You see, I believe, you know, I know that Pastor Alex and I is doing this knowing that change is needed in, in our life. Not only in people that we speak to, but in our lives personally. Okay? And we have that passion uh, uh, to, to share 
what God has done for us. And it's fueled by love. It's fueled by passion. God has set in all of us a vision which we need to get it started. How concerned are you? This would determine the willingness to move forward with the vision. You see, God is, His Word says, right? Uh, I don't know, I, I can't remember where, but it's in the Word. That He has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. He has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. So, if He has a plan for each and every one of us, how do we accomplish that plan? What do we need to do to activate that plan? I think the number one thing, we need to choose, right? We need to choose to study His Word so that we are well-equipped, well-equipped to do that purpose and that plan that God has for us. See, it's a responsibility on us. Yes, Christ did everything. Christ did everything. We can step right into victory. And we can stay there until the cows come home. And we can bury it like the guy buried that one talent. Or we can go out and replicate, duplicate what God has given us. See, that's a choice that we have. The vision that God had given us will not come to pass if we just standing around, twiddling our thumbs, and just waiting for God to move, you know. Well, the Word of God says to wait on God. No. He said go. Jesus gave us a mission, and he said go. He already told us to go. We don't need to wait no more. We don't need to wait no more. We just got to activate the vision that God given us. We need to be living that vision. We need to live big. You know, we serve a God that is... Again, we serve a God that is so awesome, so unbelievable. I, I can't even... There's no words in my mind that can describe how great God is. I mean, even just using how great God is is, is, is so small compared to who He really is, you know? We need to start living a bigger life than we, we are. Abraham, in his time, he was one of the richest men out. Why? Because he had faith in God to supply all his needs. Caleb. Oh, no, the one in the Bible. Nah, I'm just kidding, Caleb. Uh, Jacob, Daniel. They all had a vision from God, and, and they lived an extraordinary life. We need to choose that. You know, the vision that God gives each and every one of us is never a short-term vision. It's never. It's, an, it's a vision of eternity. It's a vision of eternity. It's not short-term. Well, um, I'm going to do this, and then that's it. No, no, no. It's, a, it's eternity. We're going to love, we're going to live, we're going to pursue the vision for eternity. See, we, we got to see beyond 
what our vision allows us to see, what our eyes allows us to see. We got to see beyond that. You know, when God gave me a vision or the, the plan and the purpose of doing this, of, of getting a, a ministry together, allowing it to be uh, uh, a place of worship, a place that's not asking for money. It was, it was like I was still in Hawaii when he gave me that vision. I was still struggling to know how am I going to accomplish this? See, so the vision, it wasn't a short-term vision. It was a long-term vision. Now, I left Hawaii in, <coughs> excuse me, I left Hawaii in uh, 1998. And I had that vision, this vision when I was in Hawaii. So in 1998, I moved up to Arizona. And in my mind I, I, and in my heart, in my subconscious, I had this vision of, of, of this whole ministry. And, and uh, I didn't know how was it going to accomplish. I don't know how. What's going to happen? And I moved to Tucson and didn't happen there. And it wasn't until I don't know how many years. So 98 to 2018. You guys do the math. Okay? It wasn't until then that God opened a door for this place. No, it's 2014. God opened the door to this place. Marie and I would pass by and we would always question this place. I know I shared this before, I think, or be five. But we were passing this place and we would always question, is that building with that house? And one day, we saw a dumpster in the front of that house. And we kept watching every time we'd pass by. We was living up the street here. And... Uh, one day, they painted the building and the house the same color. And that was like a, oh, whoa, it's together. Anyway, it's a long story. You guys got time? Nah. Anyway, to make a long story short, we ended up contacting the people. And if you guys know finances, I, I wasn't good at it. I wasn't good at it. That's why maybe God said to create something of no cost. Because he knows I'm not a good uh, financer. But I had a foreclosure. I didn't know that the foreclosure was in 2011. So as we pursued this property... Uh, I found out that the floor, because I thought the foreclosure was way before then. So when you get a foreclosure, you only have three years. Well, you got to wait three years for them to allow you to purchase another home. But anyway, so the gentleman that was selling this house had to have been God sent. Because as we, we had put down the earnest money, we had put down some money. I think it was like $5. Nah, just kidding. We had put down some money. Um, 
uh, earnest money. And then he, he asked, do you guys want to see the house? And so we came back here. And then I had the girls, and I, had show, I was showing them the house inside. And then Mr. Soto was talking to Maria. And I wasn't there. But he told Maria, no matter what, this is you guys' house. No matter what, this is your place. If you don't qualify, this is your place. That's what he's saying. Probably his daughter told him, hey, these are bums, man. They, got, they don't have the money for it. But you see, he said, no matter what, this is our place. And that was the vision that God gave me when I was in Hawaii. And I told him, my plan was to turn this into something of worship. You see, as long as you don't give up on your purpose and your plan that God has given you, God will never forsake you. And if you give up, He will send people your way to push you on, to help you to that vision. But you got to believe that God has given to all the responsibility to move forward. He has equipped us with all that we need. And he said, go. For he has given us the greatest weapon, and this weapon is love. His love. Because with this love, his first love, he gave so that we have the ability to love and to give. See, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait. He didn't wait till we are straightened up. I remember every time somebody would talk to me about going to church, I would say, as soon as I live a better life, as soon as I change my life, I used to always tell them that. And then I'll start to go to church. Then I realized that. After 10, 20 years later, I never changed. I was still doing the same thing I did when they first started talking to me. See, God, one of my other friends posted that God don't call the qualified. He qualifies those that are called. He equips us. All we need is to surrender to him. Because everybody sitting here has a plan and a purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for you. But we need to yield ourselves to him that he may accomplish the plan and the purpose that he has for you. And sometimes when we're in, in, in a service and we're hearing the word of God and, and, and the person is sharing things like this and, you know, it starts to hurt a little bit and we start to shut it out. You know, we start to shut it out, but we shouldn't shut it out. Because that's God talking to you. God saying, i got a plan and a purpose for you. And it's all activated by love. All activated by love. You know, everything we do, we, we do it with love. You know, and I'm, I'm telling you, God has a plan and purpose for each and every one of us here, man. You know, it's just about choices. Do we choose to serve the Almighty or we choose not to? 
And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in about 30 minutes, but I'm going to share this um, message. I'm just kidding. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Luke. Luke uh, 18. I'm going to read verse 35 to 43. And it came to pass that as he was come near to Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it was about. And they said unto him that Jesus of Nazareth passed by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What will you that I what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith has saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people that saw it gave praise unto God. See, when God gives us a purpose and a plan, there are going to be a lot of people coming by you and saying, Hey, no way, Jose. No, no, that's not of God. No, that's not God, man. You, you're like crazy. But this guy hadn't seen and he knew Jesus <coughs> could give him the vision. See, we have a vision, but we blind to it. We blind to that vision. But you see, people around you might be stifling you. But you see, you got to be like this blind man. He, he wanted vision. He wanted vision. And when people told him to, yeah, quiet, he even yelled more. You see, when we cry out to God, God hears us. When we cry out to God, we cry out to God from our inward parts. King David said, in my despair, I cried out to God, and my voice reached his throne. And from his throne, he reached down, and he picked me up, and he set me on a wide open field. And I found I was loved. Paraphrasing, okay? You see... That's what God will do if we cry from our innermost parts. That that vision he has, that plan he has, that purpose he has for us can come to pass. But how hungry are we? How hungry are we? How willing are we? How willing are we to give our all to God? To give ourselves. You see, 
you know, right now there's something going on in Rio Rico. And, and it's going to be a big, they, they want a big change in Rio Rico. So they want to, all this wide open field, they want to turn it into Tucson. They want to make, they want to make it into Green Valley. They want to mine. They want to do mine. They want to mine magnesium. You know how dangerous magnesium is? Just the flakes, the dust that's in the air can screw up your lungs. You see, they want change. They want change in Rio Rico. You know? And, and why I brought that up is that, see, too many times in our lives we let the pleasures of ourselves get in the way of God's work. We let, I always say, don't let the pleasure of man destroy our land. You see, and just like, don't let the pleasures of man destroy God's vision in your life. Don't let people destroy the vision. You know, you got to be like the blind man, man. Raise your voice. You know, there was another guy. What was his name? Not Nicodemus. That little short dude. Let's say again. Zacchaeus. See, he was a short guy, man. And he heard Jesus was coming, and he was looking through the crowd, and he said, man, I'm going to get Jesus, man. I'm going to get Jesus in me. You know, it's just like my daughter, Hadasha. We're all standing up, and she's behind us. You know, she's younger than us, so she's, like, not as tall. And she's looking. I want to see Jesus. And so he sees this tree, and he sees an opportunity. And he chose to jump on that opportunity. He jumped on the tree, and at that moment, it allowed Jesus to see him. And Jesus said, hey, you, come into your house. You see? We got to seize opportunities. Every chance we get, we can't let things disappoint the plan that God has for us. And that's all I'm going to say. I hope somebody got this. And if you didn't, you can buy the video. Uh, it's, 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 on, it's, on, it's on Amazon for $19.99. Now, Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity that I might speak your word, Father God. Father God, let that word minister to our hearts, Father God. Whatever part that somebody needed, Father God, let it minister to our hearts, Father God. I just thank you for your love towards us. I thank you, Father God, that no matter what goes on in this world, that there is no weapon formed against us can prosper, Father God. No weapon, no weapon, no man created, no no. Nothing, nothing can come against us because of your great love for us, Father God. And I just thank you. Stir our hearts, Father God. Stir our hearts. Increase our love life, Father God, that we may see the world through your eyes. And that we may serve the people as you serve the people. In Jesus' name, amen.